we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We were talking a few moments ago about uh, how we're headed towards reopening, and hopefully for a lot of people it'll be sooner rather than later, but we're taking our cues from science and the modeling, and uh, to that end, to find out exactly what it might tell us and uh, whether we have reason for optimism. Jonathan Dushoff has joined us on the line. Jonathan is a theoretical biologist with McMaster University. Jonathan, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very good. Holding in. Hope you are as well. Let me ask you Doing as a, my uh, you are okay. We all, you know, we all are. And uh, as we're all pulling together, and the premier keeps imploring for us to to be eternally vigilant and diligent and all the rest of that. As a matter of fact, we've actually uh, fallen below some of the projections of the modeling that uh, was, I guess, st- it struck an ominous note when it was first revealed by the province about a month ago. Uh, so if we're falling short because it projected there'd be many more deaths and uh, we're doing better than that. Falling short, does that make the models cast them into disrepute? Or what do we, what are the models uh, and vis-a-vis what we're doing now tell us about where we're uh, making progress on the, the whole curve here? So that's several questions. Um, I think the models are not called into disrepute by the way we responded to them, right? So the model is... There are several problems with modeling COVID. We have a lot of experience modeling diseases that are already established and to which people aren't really responding. Once people start changing their behavior, they're much worse. Sorry, we as modelers are much worse at predicting what's going to happen. Also with a new disease like COVID, we have a lot more uncertainty than we're used to having. That said, the model projections were for certain assumptions about behavior. And in some sense, the models were designed with the idea that we hoped what we would project was not going to come to pass, right? And it would Mm. sort of be a shame if we all spent all these weeks at home and it didn't have any effect, including unaffected, sorry, unexpected effects on the model projections. So Uh, we took we took our cues from the model, is what you're saying, and behaved accordingly, and were responsible, and therefore, we sort of uh, did better than what the models had projected. So that's a good sign. Uh, we we right. reacted to the modeling. Now these assumptions, they're based on testing, uh, the initial projections, I guess. But we ha- are we doing adequate testing so that we can actually get a better indication of where we stand? So that you asked that question. And it- tough way. To say what kind of testing is adequate is hard. Ontario has been making progress 
um, with testing, and I wouldn't want to say that it's inadequate. What I would say is that the more testing we can do, the better, both in terms of controlling the disease now, which, as you've said, we seem to be doing okay, but also in understanding. The more we understand about the dynamics of the disease, that is to say the things that make it change through time, the more we understand about the dynamics of the disease, the better we can make decisions to balance controlling the disease with living our lives and with rebuilding our economy. If it's just a matter of beating up the disease, we already know enough and maybe we're already doing enough testing. But since what we want to do is make the best decisions about this really difficult balance, the more we know, the better. Again, with Jonathan Dushoff, theoretical biologist at McMaster University on tracking the disease and uh, how we respond accordingly. You know, some are saying that the Rosetta Stone here that would unlock a lot of the unknowns is serological testing, the blood. If you've got antibodies, again, theoretically, you would be immune, and that kind of gives you the immunity card to go about your business and not have as many concerns. Would that be appropriate? Is it a uh, a fail-safe way of knowing? So it's not fail-safe. Serological testing is in some ways the Rosetta Stone, and it plays many different roles. So there's, first of all, the individual level idea that if you have a serological test, maybe you know for sure that you're safe. And that's very tricky uh, for a number of reasons. For one thing, there's some concerns about who can get the test and what privileges they might get. There's concerns about how good the tests are at the individual level. I think that the individual level of serological testing is going to be important, is going to keep getting better, but that's not the only reason we want serological testing. We also want serological testing for the reasons I said earlier about understanding the dynamics better and making better decisions at the population level. So serological tests are going to let us know how much immunity is building up in the population and therefore what are the factors, how much that immunity versus other factors is contributing to the slowdown of the spread of disease. Serological testing is also going to give us a better idea of what proportion of people in which groups are getting sick, sorry, are getting ill once they get infected, right? Mm -hmm. So if it Mm -hmm. turns out that we've had twice as many infections as we thought, well, that's a little scary, and it means we didn't do a good job controlling and that things may be getting into new places. It also means that per infection, we've had half as much illness and half as much death as we thought. And knowing things like that is going to be very relevant when we're trying to decide how to open up slowly and when to reverse the reopening in some cases. Those are the questions that policymakers have been talking to me about now, is what are some of the triggers for reopening? What are the triggers for turning off the reopening? How do we decide what to reopen first? And how do we watch as we reopen things and as different jurisdictions think? Sorry, I get overexcited when I'm on the radio. As different (laughs) jurisdictions reopen things at different times and in different ways, how much can we learn? It's all about, because COVID is so new and so mysterious, it's all about observing and trying to learn specifically the information that's going to enable us to make better decisions. Well, Jonathan, where are we with serological testing right now? 
In Ontario, I don't know, and I haven't heard much. I know that there are people who are interested in moving it forward. Um, I haven't, so I've been consulting with various jurisdictions and not as much with Ontario until recently. Um, but now I'm just making excuses. I really don't know where the province is with serological testing. Well, it was something that uh, I guess was a revelation to some people with uh, different precincts in the United States about a week or two ago, New York City, California as well, when they did serological testing, and I'm guessing based on certain statistical models, uh, the sample taken, they extrapolated from that that it might have been 25% more people or 25% of the population in New York City had actually already had COVID-19 because it had tested asymptomatic people, uh, those who had passed through it. And again, the argument being that they had shed the virus were now immune that was pause for great optimism that, hey, uh, maybe we've just miscalculated or underestimated the breadth and scope of this thing, and we may achieve some kind of herd immunity. Is that model or that kind of thinking along the right track? So, yes, those are exactly the questions we're asking. I haven't seen enough or looked enough into it to be confident. But, yes, high levels of positivity are good news for two reasons. They mean that as we relax social distancing, we could be at less danger because we have more immune people than we think. And they mean that the proportion of people once infected who show up in the hospitals is also lower than we thought. So this is all preliminary and people are asking a lot of questions about these serological tests and about the samples. But yes, you're absolutely on the right track. And Hopefully things will pan out in the direction that we get more serological testing and that we may be closer to being over the hump than we thought. That said, we're still a long way from being completely out of danger. We're still a long way, no matter who's counting or how, we're still a long way from just saying, well, this is over and we can go back to normal without even watching it. Yeah, I guess in the absence of a vaccine, it's the best hope we have right now, uh, because as we flatten the curve, we're not getting rid of the virus itself. But let me ask you finally, you know, uh, you s sort of uh, hinted at being apprehensive. We're not out of the woods yet. How about the dangers of reopening too soon? Uh, I, I suppose this becomes an economic question as well. But do you have concerns about reopening too soon? Certainly, you don't want to reopen too soon. Um, how to put it, I haven't seen anything now that scares me, um, certainly not in Canada. I think that people are moving carefully, and I think that if you reopen gradually and pay attention to what's going on, I don't have a huge cause for concern. We all sort of know what's going on. The key is it's the same as the model. The danger is there. But once you recognize the danger, that's half the battle. We've recognized the danger. As long as we do what we want to do carefully, we're going to learn more. We're going to respond. The one thing I would say is that a plan for reopening should come not only with standards for when we reopen, but standards for when we question that reopening and dial it back if the coronavirus is rising faster than, than, than we're comfortable with. Well, that's what the Premier says. He's taking his cues from the medical health authorities primarily. So eternal vigilance, the price we pay for 
our health uh, and safety. Jonathan, great to talk to you. Really very illuminating, and I uh, hope we'll do it down the road. All the best to you. Stay healthy. Thank you very much, and the same to you. Thank you. Jonathan Dushoff, again, is a theoretical biologist at McMaster University. Well, now you know. That's kind of a snapshot of uh, where the medical experts think we are. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.